Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 24. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. A newspaper in Tacoma, Washington, carried this story about Tattoo the Basset Hound. If you're in the men's ministry, you've heard this. Tattoo the Basset Hound. Tattoo didn't intend to go for an evening run, but when his owner shut his leash in the car door and took off with Tattoo still on the outside of the vehicle, he had no choice. A motorcycle officer named Terry Filbert noticed a passing vehicle with something that appeared to be dragging behind it. As he passed the vehicle, he saw the object was a basset hound on a leash. Officer Filbert described what he saw. He was picking up and putting them down as fast as he could, speaking of Tattoo's feet. He chased the car to a stop and Tattoo was rescued, but not before the dog reached a speed of 25 miles per hour and rolled over several times. The dog was fine. For y'all PETA lovers. <laughs> oh, like that mean man, it's just a story. Calm down. The dog was fine, but asked not to go out for an evening walk for a long time. I don't know, have you been with us? Sometimes life feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like you're kind of picking them up and putting them down, picking them up and putting them down. I don't know, I've been feeling that way lately. Just life, stuff picking them up, putting them down. And if you've been with us, you know that David has been picking them up and putting them down as he's been on the run from King Saul. If you remember, all this began, and keep in mind, let's, let's try to remember this. All this began in 1 Samuel chapter 18. You remember those uh, Pentecostal ladies wrote a number one hit song. Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. So David, remember, he's returning from battle after a great slaughter of the Philistines. Chapter 18, verse 8 tells us Saul was angry because they ascribed 10,000 to David and only 1,000 to Saul. And from that moment, listen, to this chapter, Saul eyed David and was jealous and envious and bitter and suspicious and wanted to kill David. This launched David into a period of mistreatment and discouragement and in Saul's mind, a bitter enemy. Now, if you've been with us, you know that David is running pillar to post. Chapter 21, y'all come on, travel with me. Chapter 21, David, just kind of peruse with me in chapter 21 as we move forward. Chapter 21, David was in Nob, which means high place. He leaves Nob, or Nob, and goes to Gath, a Philistine city. From Gath to a hiding in a cave of Adullam. Adullam means refuge. From a cave to the forest of Hareth, Hareth means engraving, from Hareth to Keilah. Keilah means slinging, 
like a potter would sling clay. Last time in chapter 23, David fought the Philistines and saved the inhabitants of Keilah. David used the ephod to ask God two questions. Look at chapter 23 and look at verse 11. Ask God two questions. Will Saul come after me in Keilah? God said, yes. Look at verse 12. Will the men of Keilah turn me over to Saul? God said, absolutely. Now remember, Keilah was a tribe of Judah. So these are David's own people. Chapter 23, look at verse 13. David's army of 400 distressed, discontent, and in-debt men has grown to 600 distressed, discontent, and in-debt men. They leave Keilah to the wilderness of Zuf in verse 16. Zuf or Zif means refining. Last week, we left Saul chasing David around a mountain, and David went into hiding in the caves of Engedi. That's where we left off. I've titled this sermon, The Risk of Re- Reconciliation. First Samuel chapter 24, saints, we pick up in verse 1. Now, let's see. Maybe we'll do it like this. Let's read the entire chapter because there's so much here. I want you to get the entire chapter and then we'll come back and have some comments. It's only 22 verses, not so long. So let's read the entire chapter and then we'll come back and have some verses. It all makes sense. It all come together as you kind of, I think, take, take this in a whole, I think. First uh, Samuel chapter 24, look at verse one. If you're looking at verse one, I need you to say Amen. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. And then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. And so he came to the sheepfold by the road where there was a cave. And Saul went in to attend to his needs. And David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. And the men of David said to him, this is the day of which the Lord said, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, underline that, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. And so David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and called to Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stood with his face bowed to the earth. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks your harm? Look. This day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you into my hand in the cave and someone urged me, encouraged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, y'all get notice of respect. Moreover, my father, see, you sit, yes, see, the corner of your robe is in my hand, for in that I cut off the corner of your robe, and I did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I'm not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the Proverbs, a proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. 
After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A flea? Therefore let the Lord judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. And so it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, that Saul said in this voice, is this your voice, my son, David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And then he said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now I know indeed that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Therefore swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. So David swore to Saul and Saul in verse 22 went where saints, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. That's important. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Saul were you with me last week? Show of hands. Were you with me last week? Show of hands. Okay, that's a good number of you. You know then Saul has now come back from battle and victory over the Philistines. And if you've been with us to Israel, you know he's come back to this area of En Gedi. If you've been to us, with us to Israel, you know that this area of En Gedi is a beautiful, beautiful area. Isn't it a wonderful thing to have gone to Israel and now you can see these areas of which we're talking about? If you haven't been to Israel with us, the next time we go, you ought to plan to go. The Bible comes alive. When you've taken a trip to Israel and you read the Bible, the Bible is like, like, like a pop-up book. It does. It becomes like a pop-up book because now you're reading like Saul and David now are in this area of En Gedi and you've been to those area, that area of En Gedi or wherever we're reading. So now they're in the area where it's called the Caves of En Gedi. And this is a beautiful area down by the Dead Sea. Beautiful waterfalls, ibex or goats are in this area. There are many caves in this area. Saul has 3,000 chosen, highly trained Navy SEALs with him. Amen. Go Navy. I'm holding it down for the Navy. And he goes to En Gedi looking for David and his men. Now keep in mind, David saints, listen, he's at rock bottom. All right. He's lost everything. But as I've shared with you, this is God molding David. God is using Saul to mold David. God is using Saul to persecute David. God is using Saul to chase David and hunt David because God is doing a work in David. He's not doing a work in Saul. He's doing a work in, God is using Saul. Just like God is using governments. Uh-huh, y'all know where I'm going. God is using governments and God is using peoples for his and I was witnessing to the orderly as he's walking Miss Elvira down the hall. They gave her the, the, the good juice. <laughs> and I told him, I said, you know what? Give her the good juice and she'll start singing. Because she's off key. 
I said, y'all, y'all might want to have me come down the hall so I can wake up and get on key. And I was witnessing to the, uh, to, to the, uh, <laughs> you got to love her. You got to love her. And I was telling him, I said, you know, God is behind all of what's going on in this country. Don't you know that God is aware? God knows what's going on. And God knew what decisions were going to be made before they were made. So why are all the Christians going, I can't believe it. I can. Jesus told us these things must be before the coming of the Lord. That means Jesus coming is nearer than you think. I told that to the orderly. Come on, clap your hands and say amen. God is using Saul to mold David to be the man that God wants him to be. It's God that has David in the crucible container pot of God's testing. And God is using and puppeting Saul for his own purposes. And, 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 and that is to make David a man after God's own heart. God's purpose is to make David a king. Chapter 24 is critical. You take your notes, write it down. Chapter 24 is critical in the whole process of making David king. Now, remember last week, Saul was so close to catching David when out of the blue, or should we say out of heaven, a messenger came to Saul and told him that the Philistines had invaded. And just then Saul turned his attention to the Philistines and David got away. Chapter 23, look at verse 28. Chapter 23, look at verse 28. David was so blessed he memorialized the place. He called the place the rock of escape or in Hebrew, whew, that was close. (laughs) Now think it through with me. God gave Saul victory over the Philistines. Here in chapter 24, listen, Saul returns to pick up where he left off, and that is to kill David. It is interesting to me that Saul is trying to kill David. Saul is hard-hearted, apostate, rebellious toward the things of God, and yet God gave him victory over the Philistines. Or God blessed him, if you will, to defeat the Philistines. Somebody might look at that and think, wow, God blessed Saul. Listen, don't confuse the victory with the blessings of God. People do that all the time, don't they? They think that God is blessing them even though they live in rebellion toward God. Can I tell you something? Write it down. God's not blessing you if you're living in rebellion toward God. I don't care how good it's going. I don't care how much you're making. How nice your house is and how nice your car is and how everything is just going swimmingly. God's not blessing you. When your heart is not toward him, they think the Saul may mistaken think that he's being blessed because he got victory over the Philistines. Listen, if you're living in rebellion toward God, then you're living off the mercy of God. And God is only allowing you to continue to live off that mercy, hoping that soon, listen to me, hoping that soon and really soon you'll realize that 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 thing that you're doing doesn't please God and you'll turn and repent and begin to live for God. I think of Romans, I'll wait while you clap your hands. I think of Romans chapter two, verse four, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God does what saints leads you to repentance. 
In other words, God shows mercy and God shows grace, hoping that that mercy and grace will bring you to repentance. So if you're walking in sin and in total rebellion to God, and God is being good to you, basically you're just running out of room. Because if you keep going, eventually God will have to chastise you. So in our text, Saul comes back and tracks David down in the area of Engedi. Engedi means rocks, write it down, rocks of wild goats. Engedi means rocks of wild goats or rocks that only goats could navigate. Rocks that only goats could navigate. At this time, Saul doesn't know it, but he's closer to David than he realizes. Look at verse 3. Saul came to the sheepfold by the road, and there was a cave there. And Saul went in to attend to his knees. Now listen, this is a really, really large cave. We know that because it was big enough to shelter a flock of sheep. It was a sheepfold. So David, watch this, I'm going somewhere. David and his 600 men according to the Bible, are hiding in the recesses of this cave. How big is this cave? David and his 600 men are hiding in the recesses or in the back of the cave. Now listen, we all know and believe the Bible is the living word of God. Amen? And since the Bible is the living word of God, it tells us stuff that living people do. Amen. And people who are alive go potty. (laughs) Write that down. People who are alive go potty. Look at verse 3. Saul went into the cave to potty. Now, the New Living Bible says Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. I'm sure he didn't know that there were already 600 men in the men's room. (laughs) That's interesting. Something so basic, get this, something so basic and so common as going to the bathroom is timed and arranged by God. Y'all didn't get that. Something so common and basic, going to the bathroom, everybody go to the bathroom. If you say you don't, you're in church. But something so basic and so common as going to the bathroom is arranged and timed by God. Saul doesn't know it. Saul is in the men's room. He's, his men, they aren't with him in there. Look at this God thing. David could have been hiding in a hundred different caves. Now, if you've been with us to Engedi, you know there are hundreds of caves around the area of Engedi. Hundreds. They're everywhere. David could have been hiding in a hundred different caves. Saul could have went to the bathroom in a hundred different caves. Maybe not even go in a cave. Maybe go to the bathroom near a bush. Amen. That's what alive people do. Y'all stay with me, all right? That's what alive people do. Saul and his army are marching along. When they get to the cave, God wants them to go in when they get to that particular cave, God reaches down with his finger and pushes on Saul's bladder. Huh? And all of a sudden, as alive people do, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. 
and he goes into this cave. So verse four, he's using the bathroom. David and his men are in the back of the cave. The men said, David, this is the day that you've been waiting for. This is the day you told us, God told you that he was going to deliver your enemy into your hand. David, this is the day that your enemy is going to be your footstool. The men are saying, David, this is the word of God. David, this is the time. Take it. It's the Lord. It's God. Now get the scene. David is standing there in a dark cave and his enemy is right over there. And let me say this. In this life, I don't know if you figured it out yet, but in this life, you're going to have enemies. You will have enemies. You can't get through life without having enemies or even nowadays frenemies. That's a friend who's an enemy too, but you think he's a friend. But he's actually an enemy. You're going to have enemies. You try your best to get along with everybody, but some people just don't want to cooperate. Some people just don't like you, and you just don't like some people and never will. That's life. I don't care how spiritual you are. You're probably like, I'm too spiritual for that. No, you're not. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how godly you are. People have enemies. Chuck Swindoll said this. He said, friends come and go, but enemies accumulate. (laughs) I love that. I I need to tweet that. Friends come and go. Enemies accumulate. I heard this story of this reporter who was interviewing a man on his 100th birthday And he asked, what are you most proud of? The old man pondered the question for a minute. He said, I don't have an enemy in the world. Well, that's quite an achievement, said the reporter. Yup, the old man said, I've outlived every one of them. (laughs) Amen. David is standing in a dark cave. His enemy is there. His men are telling him, David, it's the will of God. Go ahead, stick them. Just like it wasn't a blessing for Saul to defeat the Philistines, it wasn't a blessing for David to kill Saul. Understand this. This is probably the most subtle of all temptations. Why? For two reasons, maybe more. One, David knew that God was giving him the kingdom. Number two, it seems everything is right and perfect and planned of God. For the first time, Saul is in the hand of David. So David, here's my sanctified imagination. David is standing there thinking, this guy has ruined my life. I've lost everything to this guy. I lost my job in the army. I lost my wife. I lost my home. I lost my friend, my best friend, Jonathan. I lost my my longtime counselor, Samuel. I lost my reputation to this guy. This guy has made me out to be a criminal and an outlaw. Now's my chance. Listen, David's thinking, one stroke of this sword and I will have my life back. Sometimes when you have a promise from God, it's easy to justify sin or what you're doing in pursuit of that promise. In the kingdom, the end never justifies the means. God will fulfill his promise without your help. God will fulfill his promise his way, and he'll do it righteously. David is standing there with the sword in his hand. The guys are talking. Verse 7, look at it. David, notice verse 7 tells us that David restrained his servants. In other words, they are going in. David, kill him, man. Stick him. It'll be done with. You stop running. We can all go home. We are stressed out and discontent and in debt, and we can 
Change that. Stick them. David had to stop them from repeatedly talking to him. See, these men are excited because they're about to go from distressed, discontent, and in debt to friends of the new king of Israel. Now put yourself in David's sandals. Maybe David's thinking one stroke with the sword stands between me and the throne. One stroke with the sword stands between me and seeing a nation spiritual revival. One stroke with the sword will remove the apostate rebel from office. One stroke with the sword will even the score. And maybe David is thinking as he's quietly inching up on Saul, one stroke. David got right up to Saul. Did y'all get this? He didn't put the sword in his neck. He didn't put the sword in his back. The Bible tells us he cut the corner of his robe. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.